have to be a guy uh, this team can lean on, you know, especially in the times right now, uh, you know, with so many of our, our starters hurting, not playing. Um, so it's just, it's, it's not acceptable, um, and I need to figure it out. We're hurting ourselves with the turnovers, and we've got to get this fixed. It's uh, It's been a trend this year. This was a game where we, we, we finally, you know, trusted each other and, uh, you know, played some great defense. We still can be a lot better, and it uh, starts with me. For me, it was just exciting to see our team play on a Monday night stage and the way they embrace and the, the effort and the energy, and so that, that was what was meaningful to me. Tuesday edition of PFT Live, Chris Sims, Mike Florio. Hello to our Peacock audience, also Sirius XM 211, also NBCSN if you're watching the re-air at 9 Eastern. Also, our good friends in the UK and in Ireland enjoying the program in primetime on Sky Sports NFL. Quit complaining, you're in, we're in primetime, our friends in the UK and Ireland. Also, podcast, you can listen to it primetime anytime. Hello, Christopher, how are you? I'm doing well, Michael. How are you today? You doing good? I'm doing good. And you know what's funny? What's that? Uh, you you would think that the Cardinals lost based upon that little clip we saw from Kyler Murray. I kind of like that. Well, yeah, he's a he's a perfectionist. I mean, he's not going to love that he looks at the final stat sheet and it says nine for twenty four, right? So there's something to work on. But damn, I know we'll talk about this in a few minutes. He is fun to watch. I mean, I don't know as far as acceleration's concerned and those three rockets up his butt. Holy cow, can he take off? It's unbelievable. Well, yeah, we will take a deeper dive into that game, but the ability to turn it on, turn it off, use it whenever he wants, yep. weave in and out of traffic, speed, agility, awareness, a combination I don't think the NFL has ever seen. And I know people are like, what about Mike Vick? He had no awareness. What about Lamar Jackson? His awareness isn't at the level of Kyler Murray's. Kyler Murray always knows where he is and where everyone else is, and it's amazing to watch. And I wish we would see him more in primetime, and I think we will before too long. All right, let's get to the other game that wasn't supposed to be in primetime on Monday, even though 5 o'clock really isn't, it was supposed to be the Thursday night game because the Bills played the Titans last Tuesday because of a COVID rescheduling. Here we are with a Thursday night game that was in that 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock window Eastern on a Monday. And yeesh, yeesh. Uh, the Bills, Chris. You know, and it, 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 really, it really felt good to be right about something last night, to be right about both games last night after that Sunday bloodbath where I had to go back and reevaluate my my limited prognostication skills but you know the Chiefs got knocked wobbly by a team that they took lightly the Bills I think got knocked into thinking maybe we're not that good and after last night especially on defense I think it's fair to say the Bills aren't that good well no they're not Mike I remember you know I've been saying this to you that their defense has got issues it's got big time issues they can't rush the passer they can't stop the run they therefore they are screwed as what you saw last night and you know, the bigger picture is, you know, I, I, first off, a few things you said there. Yeah, the Bills aren't ready for prime time. They're not on the level of the Tennessee Titans or the Kansas City Chiefs. That's very obvious. No doubt about that. And then, you know, you talk about some of what the Chiefs did. It seemed like the focus was there. But, man, that was really cool to see the Chiefs and ta them taking that approach last night. You know, if they can bring that element to their offense to where you really have to worry about that run game and Clyde Edwards-Alaire and all of that to go along with everything else we know their offense can do, I mean, they'll, they'll be unstoppable. I've never seen Andy Reid be that patient that way. That was very, very impressive uh, from, from his standpoint. And, yeah, you the Bills, Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen was extra nervous with Patrick Mahomes and that whole, 
you know, talk and everything like that. And uh, it showed. It showed in their play, and they're sloppy, and they're not on the level of the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. No way. And and here's my real question moving forward. Have the Chiefs unlocked some next level to their offense where they're back to the 70s and they're going to run the ball and run the ball, and there were 26 carries by Edwards-Alaire. Mahomes ran it 10 times. Darrell Williams got involved with six carries. They've got Le'Veon Bell coming. Or was it just... Looking at the film saying, man, their run defense stinks. Let's just let's just run it down their throats all night long until they stop us. Well, I, I mean, I think it is a little of that. First off, I do think to your first question, right? I think it's something Kansas City realizes they need to have there for just in case. Wait, are teams gonna keep playing us with these deep zones? Like the Raiders with the deep zones and whoa, way down the field and man-to-man coverage and eight people in coverage and only three-man rushes. So I think they realize teams might play us like that. We can't let them get away with it. We got to start to grow that part of our offense and the underneath pass game and things like that. So Andy Reid's smart. I think he real he realized that. You know the I can't remember what the second part or where I was going to go there with the rest of my uh, convo there. How much of it is the Bills? Oh, the Bills yes, defense the Bills, is so sorry. bad. Let's just run it. Well, yes, and I think the Bills defense. You know, last week we saw they had a sellout to stop the run. They let up easy touchdown passes to Ryan Tannehill. I think that you know if Ryan Tannehill doesn't have short short fields last week, they're going to throw for big yards. The Bills are compromised. They have to sell out in one area when an offense is really talented to stop that one area. And last night, what did they do? They went, damn, we're going to play deep. We're going to drop back. We can't play man-to-man, and we're going to play deep zones. And therefore, that's where Andy Reid crushed them right there because, okay, you want to do that. They moved them around up front. There's not any good defense alignment on the Bills, and they have real issues on that side of the ball. What do you think happened? To the Bills' defense issue, I, I, where has that where has the decline come from? Well, they're they're like Jerry Jerry Hughes and the pass rush have not really shown itself at all. You see, they benched like Trent Murphy, a guy who they got in free agency two years ago. They made him inactive for the game. He's been non-existent on the field. Ed Oliver, their top ten pick from the 2019 draft, has been underwhelming to this point of his career. You know, and then they lost some role players and have a few injuries there right now that's hurting them as well. But Mike, what makes it even worse is they don't have they don't play man to man and they don't have man to man corners. They can't they can't ask Tredavious White and Josh Norman to lock down people and get on an island. That's not what they do. They play zone. That so they're really in a tough spot that way. And that's why when you see Josh Allen after the game go, I can't play like that or, you know, because they can't win unless the offense and Josh Allen kind of set the pace of the football game and put the pressure on the other team for therefore they have to kind of play out of their comfort zone. And I think that's what we've become apparent the last two weeks with the Buffalo Bills. And I think all those long drives by the Chiefs just oh, make it harder for Josh right? Allen and you press a little bit more when you finally right. get on the field. One of the formulas we talk about for taking the steam out of a good offense, keep it on the sideline, drinking Gatorade, as you say, and I think there's a lot more urgency and anxiety when they finally get on the field. No urgency or anxiety, though, for the Chiefs offense. Let's hear from Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Patrick Mahomes on this new-look, uncharacteristic Andy Reid running game. I think this is the uh, first time you guys have run for more than you've thrown for. What was it like uh, resisting the temptation to take shots downfield and uh, stuff like that? 
Yeah, it was definitely different. I mean, I had a few of those RPOs called, and I had to, I had to tell myself not to throw it, just keep handing that thing off. I mean, uh, Clyde was running well, O-line was blocking well, and, uh, I mean, I just want to win. I don't care how that's done. You have days like this, things just seem, you know, like to, to part like the Red Sea, and, and that's what the O-line did. And, and ultimately, I just put my head down and run. And then when it's time to make a guy miss or, or time to run through a guy, I do my job. That fires up the O-line, and, and I'm doing my 111. So ultimately, it got us to win. You know, I, I just wonder how much the looming arrival of Le'Veon Bell put a put a red-hot poker on Clyde Edwards-Alaire because we look back at his performances last week. He set the narrative week one when he has that big night, and since then he has not been great. And now here comes Le'Veon Bell, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire looks better than he ever has. And, and that's good. Hey, maybe it's good to have that that one-two punch, a yeah. little competition in-house, a little you better go out there and not be complacent and keep going and keep going because we got somebody else we'll put in if you're not on it tonight. I, I think so. I mean, you know, you can put them both on the field. You can both split them out at receiver. They're going to be able to do a lot of different things. One, yeah, is a little bit more speed and make you miss base. Le'Veon Bell, of course, has that make you miss factor, but – He's a big human being, and he can run you over. He's certainly a lot bigger than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is one of those guys, when you see him in person, you go, whoa, you're a little bigger than I thought you were. I didn't realize you were this tall and you know, quite this long and everything like that that way. So that could be a tremendous combination. And, and, and the other thing, and I think you know, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck kind of talked about this last night. I mean, damn, they, just, they can't kill Clyde Edwards-Alaire before the season ends. You know, he can't do everything. He can't catch every screen and run the ball every time. So I think they gotta be, they're got to be aware of that, too, to where they don't want to ruin the guy's career before he gets to year three and just, you know, grinding him in the ground. But, man, good for him. I mean, that was an unbelievable performance by him. Andy Reid, I just can't say enough about him. I mean, it's 20 years. We've never seen him do that, of being one of the best play callers there is. And I just think it shows he's willing to grow and he's starting to go, man, my team's special and I'm just going to do whatever I got to do this week to win this game. And I think he's starting to get some of that about him. And uh, I think it's cool to see because the Chiefs are really, really damn good. Mahomes mentioned the run-pass option plays. And number one, for Reed to even include the run as an option. And number two, for Mahomes yeah. to become patient enough. Right. I remember last year going into the 2019 season after he'd won the MVP award, I can't remember in what setting I talked to him, but there was the question about what do you do to counter the defenses? And he said, I know what's going to happen now. They're going to be deep. They're going to be back. And I'm going to have to be more patient. I have to find a way to be more patient. Well, this is the ultimate test of patience when you just hand the ball off. When you know that you, if you didn't hand the ball off, would still have a pretty good chance of making happen, something happen through the air but you're taking the easier, more conservative, more sure thing, and the run is there, so hand right. it off and go. And, and it's just part of the overall development and maturity of Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. Agreed. Well, I mean, he's, just, he's just not a, he's not a greedy guy. He's not. He just never, never seems to be in any sense of, you know, as a football player or as a human being. He just went, well, why? Why, why, why try to jam a RPO slant in between some safety and a linebacker when – we're just ripping off five and six yards at a time. It, it's the maturity of him, you know, and, and again, it's it's why he, he doesn't throw interceptions a lot. I mean, he just – he knows how to play the position, let alone he has this rare, freaky talent, and that's amazing. It, it really is. But the Chiefs, 
You know, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. Just the physicality of their football team, once again, it kind of gets overlooked because of the high-flying Mahomes aspect. But their defense steamrolled the Bills' offensive line. Josh Allen was in trouble all night from the get-go. He was always having to throw balls off the back of his foot and do that. Chris Jones is a force, and then their ability to just play smash mouth on the offensive line. Wow. I mean, if they can get that going, man, they're going to be unstoppable. Yeah, and uh, look, to, just to put one last pin in it, Patrick yeah. Mahomes' performance, it wasn't off the charts, but incredibly efficient. 26 attempts, 21 completions, 225 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And uh, and Tyree Kill, three catches for 20 yards. Usually that's not a good formula for the Chiefs, but last night it worked well. And as you said, it worked well because of the defense, and they constantly harassed Josh Allen, a.k.a. your boy Blue, oh, here he is. Yeah, Here he is uh, after the game talking about what went wrong for his team. I can't afford – this team can't afford to have me play poorly. Um, you know, early on, early on just not being as accurate with the balls I should have been, uh, making the right reads, making the right throws. Um, and we turned it on a little too late there, obviously. Um, but, yeah, you know, 16 and 17 points is not going to cut it in this league. You know, but it didn't matter who we played tonight. If, if that's who we play, or if, that, if that's how we play, you know, we're going to struggle to win games. So, um, it is what it is right now. We, we'll learn from this. I'm obviously super frustrated with myself and how I performed tonight, and I can't do that to this team. So, um, you know, I got to be better. I will be better. We always get caught up in the new season and fascinated by the big performances, and we're ready to anoint because we're excited. Yeah. And Josh Allen out of the gates, first four games, MVP candidate, not right. now, not after what happened last Tuesday night in Tennessee and then last night at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, we've seen the decline. And last night, 14 completions on 27 attempts, 122 yards, two touchdowns, a pick, 73.4 passer rating. Look at the first four weeks, Chris, versus the last two. He went from averaging 331.5 yards per game to 192.5. Yeah. And that's one of the big reasons why this team is where it currently is. You're throwing a bad defense. I mean, look at the touchdowns. That's 15 right. total touchdowns down to four. Four turnovers and two just in the last two games. I mean, th this is a guy who needs to have that defense, needs to have some rhythm on offense, needs a running game, needs a running – you know, whatever the Chiefs did – to get Le'Veon Bell, yeah, and the Bills wanted him. They wanted him. Sean McDermott was willing to say, "We're interested." Right. They could have used him, yeah, because they just can't find a running game this year. Anytime your quarterback's your leading rusher, that's not a good thing. Well, that's what I, that's what I mean. He's the most dangerous rusher on their team every week. I mean, you know, statistically, he's second in the season for rushing on the football team. But that's you know, sacks, things like that to get taken away. I mean, he's he's the danger. The, what you just explained is the is the problem. I mean, Josh Allen is the team. I mean, that's what we're saying. Josh Allen's got to make it all go. The defense stinks. It's all about the passing game and him making it work. And, you know, like he said, I mean, he took it on the chest there. He's he, he didn't play well enough early enough to just kind of get them in a rhythm, get them going that way. But it was going to be tough sledding either way. It was. You know, it, it, it's just it's a lot on his shoulders to make big throws, always avoiding pressure in the pocket, doing things like that. And he certainly missed some throws early where you go, oh, I don't know. But I think the Bills also probably got to realize something last night, too. You know, they tried to kind of play a de facto like, oh, we're going to kind of try to control the clock and do that a little bit as well because we don't want to get in a shootout. And I just, Bills, you got to get in a shootout. You don't have any other way you're going to win games. 
Uh, they got a, that, their strength of their team is their ability to put pressure on people through Josh Allen in the passing game. So, you know, yeah, it was not his best night. He's going to have to hear about the accuracy thing again, which, hey, I didn't necessarily like that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman made such a big thing about that again. They went back to three years ago. Like, when are we going to get over it? The fact is, right now, he's a 70% thrower. He's a 67% thrower and probably throwing the ball in the air more than anybody else in football as far as intended air yards. I mean, they uncork it every play. You know, so I just felt like that was a little disservice to him as well because, yeah, we're going to talk about his scouting report when he came out of college and where I had him, and I'm going to try to justify that. There's bias there. I just I didn't like that part of the show or the, the start of the game. It bothered me. What was Baker Mayfield's and Sam Darnold's scouting report then if you're going to talk, kind of trash Josh Allen to start the game and try to justify somehow, some way, why he's doing better? Uh, as you could tell, that kind of ticked me off. And Troy Aikman's like my favorite quarterback ever other than Phil Simms. I thought Aaron Rodgers was. No, well, as like 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 as a kid when I was rooting, you know what I mean? Like when my dad retired, Troy took the mantle of like the guy I was like, "Okay, this is my new, you know, substitute father here where I'm going to wa- I'm I'm invested in number 8, the Dallas Cowboys." And I became a Cowboy fan there through like my middle school, high school years because of Troy Aikman. And and here's the thing. Yeah. It was a very common narrative. Troy yes. just happened to be the one who was talking about it last night. And I think anytime we see a regression back to where right. we thought a guy was going to be, you you do feel like, okay, maybe I was right all along. Because yeah, I we know. ultimately want to be right. Just like you want to be right about Lamar Jackson and you want to be right about Patrick Mahomes, as you were, and DK Metcalf. But I've been wrong, too. There's been lots I've been wrong about, you know? Right, 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 right. But when when you're wrong and then all of a sudden the guy starts playing like you thought he was going to play, that's when it's human nature to come out and say those things. So I don't really have a problem with it. It's up to Josh Allen to play better because he knows what people are going to say if he completes 50% of his passes. Uh Uh-huh. There's that guy from Wyoming. Don't blame it on your receivers. Don't blame it on the weather. Blame it on you. Now, here's the thing. And, and I, I know that there will be people say, you're making too much of it. I don't care. I'm going to say it. Last night we saw for the first time the bad body language Stephon Diggs, and that's a uh, warning sign yeah. for the Buffalo Bills. We saw it late in the game. You saw right. him sashaying back to the line of scrimmage right. when time was of the essence. I mean, what the hell was he? Did you see that? Yeah. He's like walking back. The clock's ticking, Stephon, but we know that this happens from time to time. It's the OBJ factor. When I'm involved and or we're winning, it's fine. When I'm not involved and we're losing, it's not fine. And last night, after what happened last Tuesday night in Tennessee and at two primetime games, and to have that happen, that that's where we see him kind of slip back into the guy the Vikings had to manage very carefully, Chris. Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, uh, yep, I saw what you saw. You're right. And uh, like a little disappointing for a guy like Stefan Diggs, who we see at the Super Bowl every year, and we always – He's so charismatic. We love him. We love him. Awesome. He's one of our favorite guys. He just he he gets it. He's very charismatic. He's funny. He doesn't take himself too seriously. But yeah, hey, it's 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 a very common thing with top end receivers in football. And uh, yes, I hope we don't see a whole lot of that. We saw the Bills lose their cool in a lot of ways last night with personal fouls and things like that. You know, they were getting bullied. You know, for lack of a better phrase. And it, you know, they, they didn't know what to do. So they got a little, you know, on defense, upset and chippy and things like that because they were being pushed around and dominated. 
And Sean McDermott and his team, they probably they really haven't been bullied like that since he's been the head coach there and everything there. And it just I think it shows them generally, hey, Buffalo, you're good, you're dangerous, but there's another class of football that you guys got to get up to before you're playing with the big boys like the Tennessee Titans and the Chiefs, who I think we both agree are two of the better teams in football, if not one of the top two or three. And I think it makes it even harder to have the season start the way it did and to start thinking, hey, we're pretty good. You know what? This the, the Patriots down. We're up. We could be like the Patriots have been. Let's go out and do it. And then you get smacked down by two of the elite teams in the conference, and you really have to go back and do some soul searching. They get and, – and you know what? The, the short week, Sunday at the Jets coming up, this is the don't lose two games, right? Yes. Don't lose two games. Right. Like don't, your Minnesota don't, Vikings. Don't, take don't let Seattle right. beat you twice. Right. Exactly. Right. Don't take a winless team lightly. Don't think you're just checking the box. Matt Casey, the consummate Jets fan, is saying <laughs> it's it not ain't happening. happening. Don't just, worry. Yeah, but but still, be on guard because the Patriots are on the back end. Yeah, this is the perfect trap game. The only problem is this really, you know, they can't really set the cheese on the trap uh, in New York with the Jets. <laughs> but but the, I, this is one where you got you got you got six days, five days now to turn it around and get ready for the Jets, and then the Patriots, and then the Seahawks. They can get smacked down a couple more times here coming up, Chris. And you know what? Going to play Arizona yeah. is not going to be a picnic. They got some tough games coming up still, and there's a different vibe around this team. And they, they better process it quickly and figure out who they are and what their ceiling is and get there. And it may just be that they're at their ceiling and they're just not ready to take the next step. Yeah, that's really cool, our new little thing there. You see that? The bingo thing? Look, you said something about the schedule. No. See, there it is. What did bingo. I say? Now that's that's <laughs> – look, listen, I, I strenuously object because talking about the schedule contextualizes a season. <laughs> Yeah, Go what, ahead. okay, whatever you say. But, yes, you're right. They got some games coming up to where, you know, Buffalo better buckle down because, yes, the Patriots twice, the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Steelers, you know, the Dolphins one more time. We know they're a better football team than what they played earlier this year. So uh, they're not out of the woods. I don't think – I still look at them and think they're a playoff-caliber football team because of that offense, but – I do think the last two weeks where maybe you might have thought, ooh, could they make some sort of crazy run and be a Super Bowl contender? Uh, that has dashed away for sure in the last two weeks by the way their defense has looked and just how much pressure is on the offense in some of these big games for them to come through and kind of make it all happen. One last point from last night's game, yeah. and this shows how much harder it is now to play defense in the National Football League. And I don't know if you saw what we posted over the weekend. There was audio from Lamar Jackson from the Week 5 game against the Bengals where he got touched at the sideline, fell down, drew a flag, and yes. he was mic'd up, admitting right. he flopped. Right. Admitting he flopped and got a free 15 yards. Well, what do we see Patrick Mahomes do now? He, he dances around yeah. the edge of the sideline. If you touch him, he will flop because there's a benefit. We're not criticizing. If you can pick up 15 yards of field position, however you do it, do it. But the problem is the flag comes out. So what do you do when the guy's dancing around on the sideline? Because you know if you hit him, he's going to fall down and you may get flagged. And, you know, the, the, it's not like the 70s where Jack Tatum's going to say, the hell with it, I'm going to run over there and I'm going to flatten this guy. So the quarterbacks have a hell of an advantage. We see it time and again where they get near the sidelines and the defenses become paralyzed because they know – 
If I touch him and he goes down, I'm getting flagged. I don't know what to do. How do I do this? Where do I go? Is he stopping? Is he yeah, starting? Right. And we saw it, and he was just like back and forward. And I've never seen the zigzagging along the sideline the way Mahomes did it last night. But but that's where we now are because if you do touch him and he goes down, you have to worry about giving up 15 yards. No, no doubt. Mike, you've been calling this for two years now, how quarterbacks do this. And we've seen it a number of times over the last two years where quarterbacks give the oh, old – Oh, I'm aware. Yeah, I, I'm like, aware. Yeah, right. I mean, or give the – you know, they give the old okey-doke where I'm about to just kind of jog out of bounds and they realize everybody pulls up and then they run up the sidelines for like eight or ten more yards. I mean, we, Matt Ryan, week one last year, right? Falcons, Vikings. That was the first time I noticed it and said, "Hey, this is BS." BS. You know, it, it, there's a there, there's a there's a gentleman's agreement here. We're letting you run out of bounds, right. and you're gonna like act like you're stopping and take off for ten more yards. Well, hey, it's still football. I, I it's I, still football. It's very right. It, you can go, you, but yeah. that's the problem. You go hit the guy, and he doesn't he doesn't get treated like a running back. That yeah. that's where the the game needs to kind of figure out how it's going to handle this. Right now, it's way too far on the side of protecting the quarterbacks. Agreed. And the defense is at a huge disadvantage. Uh, agreed. And especially now with the quarterbacks just becoming more and more mobile, like Mahomes and, you know, of course, Lamar Jackson's out of this world. But we're seeing guys, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, he could turn the corner and run for a 30-yard touchdown. It's just, it's, it's, it, to me, it is. It's BS that way. It's too hard to play defense in the league right now, let alone – you know, at times they're not allowed to hit people or do anything. The offense lowers their head and the defense just tries to get lower to make the tackle and they call the penalty on the defense. But I do think that brings up a, a, a real point. And, you know, we, I feel like we kind of saw that in the AFC Championship game run with Mahomes where he got close to the Oh, yes, line, we did. Right? Yes, yes, we did. Yeah. Yes, you're trying to drag me back well, into that. Yes, oh, that, but, but – Yes. But it's, it just shows you where football is yeah. where and, and everybody is obsessed with the quarterbacks and don't you touch the quarterbacks. Well, then don't run. Don't run if you don't want the quarterbacks to be touched. And if you run, be like Kyler Murray, and we're going to talk about that game coming up, where you're aware that I better get down because if I don't, somebody's going to hit me. Mahomes. If you're going to run the ball, you're a fair target. No, and you're right. And there's such a there's such a, a point of you know just stressing it to the referees from the NFL, too, to where they're way overprotective. And, Mike, I know the Lamar Jackson play you're talking about. Last week, Mahomes flopped twice on the sideline against the Raiders, and one of them, he got a 15-yard penalty. The guy basically just put his arm on him to like, oh, wait, I'm running out of bounds, and you're right there. Let me just put my arm on your shoulder, and he felt it, and he knew it, and he was about a yard out of bounds, and he acted like he got pushed, and he threw his arms in the air, and they got 15 yards. Check it out. It's in the fourth quarter. He does it right then, so it is going to become a, a thing, and who is going to be that team? Who's going to be that team that I'm finally not, that's you, not unleashes, me. Not me. unleashes not their guys a little bit about and it. just says, I'm done. I know. Well, I'll say it. Over. But who's it going to be? You go ahead. You know? Go ahead. Who's it going to say Who's it going to be that Sims. first, that defense where the coach goes, if he's close to the sideline, crush him. Act like he's dead Derrick Henry. If he's, if he's down by the one-yard line, it's me. I know. <laughs> if he's down by the one-yard line crush them like bring the pain there's your chance to hit them do those type of things I know and I'm not saying to do it to any particular player but at some point these defenses are going to get sick of this crap and try to make a point a little bit of not letting these free yards to these running uh, quarterbacks all the time well and and I could see the mindset because if we're going to get 15 yards anyway right for touching the guy Take and he falls lick. down right let's make it worth it right. I mean I you know and 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 this is 
20 years of understanding how these guys think, how they talk. Remember the audio, that cartoonish over-the-top crap from Greg Williams in the locker room the night before the Saints 49ers playoff game yep. nearly a decade ago. That that that's That's bubbling around out there, and I just think the defenders don't know what to do, and there is going to be a coach. I agree with you. Whether it's Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan, whoever, there's going to be a coach that says, we're done with this. Yeah. Right? We, we need some clarity here. And also, you know, haven't they in other sports adjusted to flopping by putting in penalties for flopping? Yeah. I remember in Basketball, hockey they, they did, did that in the sure. early 90s. Yeah. Right? And in soccer, don't they do that? Like, if you're if you're taking a dive trying to trying to draw a penalty and it's obvious, don't they penalize they you? Give you a shouldn't that, card, shouldn't yeah. that be? Shouldn't there be something like that if quarterbacks are going to take flops and admit that they're flopping? I, I'd like it. I'd like them to do something like that. Yeah. I mean, to, to like what you said, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a below the belt cheap shot to the rest of football because you're right. There's a little bit of a gentleman's agreement. Hey, you're going out of bounds. We know you're the special quarterback. We won't do it. But when they get like egg in their face all the time where, okay, I slowed down because the coaches always tell me, don't get them a free 15. And then they're running up for a free 15 anyways, because I slowed down and I didn't think they were going to, you know, all of a sudden do the old okie doke. It is a little bit of bull crap, but we'll see. My money's on the Ravens. I don't know. The teach what the Ravens the, doing? They're going to teach well, but, another. Uh, but yeah, they've got, they're going to go. So what? We run anyways. Our guys used to it. Nope. No, no, but that would be the ultimate irony, and I think I'm using it properly. If their quarterback, <laughs> who openly bragged about flopping, if they're the team that ends up deciding we're done with this, we're 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 going to go ahead and take well, you know, if we're, if we're going to get 15 yards, we're going to make it worth it. But but look, yeah. we're not advocating it. We're just saying this is football, and once you become a runner, you forfeit all of the protections that quarterbacks have. And there's this extra protection that the officials are providing to the quarterbacks that isn't fair to the defense, it isn't fair to the game, and it's going too far when guys like Lamar Jackson admit that they intentionally flopped to draw a 15-yard penalty, and we see it with guys like Patrick Mahomes. There's something out of whack, and the question is, how does it get back into balance? That's right. all we're saying. Right. We're not advocating right. anything. It's football, and if you're going to run the ball, this is part of the risk you assume. That's right. All right. Speaking of quarterbacks who run the ball, and good luck. You can't get a hand on Kyler Murray. The uh, most exciting player, in my opinion, right now in the National Football League. Got it done last night. We'll talk about Cardinals-Cowboys when PFT Live continues. I don't think it really was much of what they did. Uh, I think it was me. Um, me. I'm supposed to be a guy this team can rely on. I'm supposed to be a guy that this team can can lean on when times get rough. And and I just wasn't that today. Um, I got us started off to a terrible start. The defense were playing. They were playing well. Um, but uh, I killed our momentum. Two fumbles. Uh, I can't do that. I mean, one, I'm giving the ball away. I can't. I wasn't helping the team. And uh, I think it, they did the right thing and, uh, you know, gave, gave some of those reps to TP. Um, but you know, I, I can't, I can't do that. Um, I have to be a guy uh, this team can lean on. You know, especially in the times right now. Uh, you know, with so many of our, our starters hurting, not playing. Um, so it's just, it's, it's not acceptable. Um, and I need to figure it out. I mean, I started the game out with two fumbles, gave the ball away, and that gave them all the momentum that they needed to uh, go and take off. Uh, so I mean, I was, I, I want to say, um, I'm sorry and. This one's on me, and um, I need to be better for this team. 
Ezekiel Elliott, after last night's 38-10 loss to the Arizona Cardinals, fueled by his two fumbles. And Chris, look, I, I, somebody sent me an email overnight that makes a ton of sense, and it's the perfect nudge I needed because someone needs to nudge Ezekiel Elliott to go see a sports psychologist, and I don't mean that in a joking way. Right. I don't mean that in a sarcastic way or a pejorative way. Plenty of athletes see psychologists Definitely. to help them process these issues. He's got it in his head. He's going to fumble. You can't be talking that way. You can't be thinking that way because you know what's going to happen? You're going to fumble. You're going to continue to fumble. He needs to get in a mindset where he's not worried about fumbling. It's like anything else in life. The more you worry about doing something, you will yourself into it. You unconsciously push yourself that way, yeah. and you make yourself vulnerable. Also, maybe he needs to consider how he's holding the ball. Remember how Tiki Barber yeah, cured sure. his fumbling problems? Right. The high and tight. It looked goofy, but he stopped fumbling after that. So there's a lot of things the Cowboys need to do. And, you know, when you're bad and when you're losing – it's an avalanche of issues it is. that you have to deal with. Somebody's got to get Ezekiel Elliott in a spot where he's getting the advice he needs, he's talking it through, he's processing it, so he not he's not going to continue to fumble the ball because the way he's talking, I guarantee you, he's going to continue to fumble the, the ball unless there's some sort of intervention that gets him thinking differently and carrying the ball differently. Yeah, well, how can it not be in his head? I mean, you're, you're right. So there's going to have to be adjustments made. I mean, certainly. And this guy has never really had this type of problem his whole career or at Ohio State or anything like that. But, you know, I think between, yeah, whatever it is, adjusting technique, mindset a little bit about how you carry the football, and then – just the natural human reaction of, you know, probably trying to do too much, you know, really, too. You know, the first fumble is a little unfortunate. I don't know if it was necessarily careless. Andy Dalton's under pressure. He kind of shovels it out there to Ezekiel Elliott. And as he's like, oh, wait, I got the ball because he was just in pass protection. Now he's thinking, let me go make a play. He's really in the process of tucking it away. Buda Baker is a hell of a player, comes in, and he's all arms and swatting at the ball, and it was great. But the problem is... They're paying Ezekiel like he's the best running back in football, and that hasn't been the case, and their defense is crappy. I mean, it's as crappy as it can get, and they just can't afford to make any mistakes on the offensive side of the ball. And unfortunately for them, whether it's Dak Prescott interceptions before the injury or Ezekiel Elliott fumbles, they've really put them in some tough spots in some of these games, and they just can't do that anymore because Dak Prescott's not out there. You know, that's one thing we know. Andy Dalton's a good football player. One thing we know after last night is he ain't Zach, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is a little bit better than people want to give him credit for. But, yeah, the Cowboys just can't make those mistakes, Mike. They're not a good football team. Well, and you know what? The point that you've made from time to time that I think becomes critical right now when you consider the injuries, that offensive line is a shadow of what it used to right? be. And – at one point last night, they said the guy with the most experience on the line, some guy that I can't even remember what his name is, a third-year player. Like, they have so many key players out along their offensive line. That offensive line is so much worse than it was. And isn't that football? It's the way football's always been. When your offensive line is great, sometimes it's so good that people are in awe of it. But even then, who gets the praise? Yeah. Who gets the attention? Who gets the notoriety? It's the quarterback. It's the running back. It's the receivers. And... And, and I think that's the biggest challenge for any professional football team, understanding why your great running back is playing great. Is it him or is it everyone around him? Right. And that's the tough decision. When you allow yourself to have a workhorse who puts up big numbers and everyone has his jersey and everyone wants to talk to him and he's a superstar, is it 
that he's an interchangeable part? Yeah. Or is it that he's going to be a star no matter what's going on around him like a Barry Sanders? And we're seeing it. And this isn't a criticism of Ezekiel Elliott. This is just reality. Without blockers, what can he do? Without Dak Prescott, what can he do? That's why it's a team sport. But, you know, I, I suspect that the Cowboys regret paying Zeke the contract they paid him. Definitely. Uh, they let DeMarco Murray walk away, yep. trusting that, hey, we can find somebody else to take his place right. because we've got a great offensive line, and they did. And 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 uh, it's it's just unfortunate because you get too much money invested in one position, and it's not delivering when you don't have the blocking there. And I think that's one of the big problems right now for the Cowboys offense. Yeah, definitely. And, it is, uh, you know, like you just said, too, it, it's not going to change. You know, the, the, the Cowboys offensive line, the, the days are over. The glory days are over. They're older. They're beat up. It's not the same group. Tyrone Smith, I mean, we know. Lyle Collins, you know, not there. And then there, there's Zach Martin. You're going, well, they still got Zach Martin. Oh, well, he's in concussion protocol during the game last night. So they're not going to be able to continue to rely or be able to rely on, like, this is 2014 or 2016, and we're going to control the ball for 35 minutes, and we're just going to run the ball, and our defense will only have to be on the field for a little bit, and then they'll fly around and create chaos. No, they're going to still have to go back to that passing game. That's what it's going to have to be. And it's going to be tough, too, because, you know, I just don't see how that defense gets a whole lot better. I mean, the way Kyler Murray ran around on them and did some of those things last night, you know, the Cowboys are just not a good football team. But they're not out of it because of the NFC lease. Nobody's out of it. But the defense is abysmal. Oh, not just bad. It's, it's historically pitiful. bad. It's right. it's the the fourth most points given up in league history through this number of games. And and they, they there's no reason to think they're going to be any better. And I still think there's a chance Mike Nolan's going to get fired at some point during the season, if not today. But you know what's starting to bubble up now? What's that? Because for the past several years. Jerry Jones and Steven Jones have been praised for putting together a team. Well, now that the team stinks, mm-hmm. they're being criticized again. Yeah. And and look, when you don't have competent backups on the offensive line, when your defense doesn't match the scheme that you're trying to run, and you're the ones making the decisions on who the coaches are going to be, that your head coach hires, you're right. at least involved in it. you got a spoon in the stew while these decisions are made. It, it does fall back on them. It does. And – and if they were in any other division right now, it would be 100 times worse. But you're right. They're 2-4. and four. They're in first place in the worst division in football. And one of those teams, 2-4 and four Cowboys, 1-4-1 and one Eagles, 1-5 and five Giants, 1-5 and five Washington. One of those teams is going to host a great number five seed, whether it's Packers or Bears out of the north, whether it's Bucks or Saints out of the south, whether it's Seahawks, Rams, 49ers, or Cardinals out of the west. There's going to be a great team that has to go on the road and play one of these crap franchises in the postseason. And that's what's wrong about the current configuration of the NFL. Four teams per division is not enough because you have years like this, and it's not like one out of ten. It seems like every year there's one division where we're like, why is the champion yeah. of that division hosting a playoff game? I know. I Well, and it's it's going to be ugly this year because, you know, the NFC East, they're playing the NFC West and the AFC North, which are – you know, the two best divisions we have in football, I believe. I mean, I think you agree with that. And, yeah, they're, yes. not, they're not out of the woods yet. They're not. I mean, they still got, yeah, of course, the people in their division, but the Ravens and the Steelers and the 49ers, they're all still waiting there for the Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, I, I don't know. But I think the, the, the thing you said, the defense is really the biggest, biggest issue. I mean, they hung in there a little bit early on. 
but that was only because Kyler Murray was a little off throwing the football and like you know Arizona just couldn't kind of get their mojo going but after they kind of got a feel for the game and Kyler started you know feeling good about what he was doing yeah I mean the game was over big plays those fumbles everything like that and it's just Dallas can't stop the run they don't have people that can cover people on the outside you can see they they got no great pass rush the Jones family you know I think let the shelf life of this team just go a little too long that's probably where they misevaluated a little bit to where there needed to be a little more more turnover for a team that you know we we've had in that oh th could this be the year for the Dallas Cowboys for the last three or four years we've kind of been saying that and of course it's it's not going to be that way this year you can make the argument that Dak Prescott made himself a hell of a lot more money he last night but 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 again if you end up making that gigantic financial investment in Dak you better hope that you can go back to six, seven years ago and start hitting on these draft picks again because that's how you're going to rebuild this team. It's not going to be through free agency, especially if you end up giving Dak Prescott a huge percentage of your total salary cap. You're going to have to find young guys who come in with relatively low pay in comparison to guys like Dak and Zeke, and who knows how much longer Zeke's going to be there under the contract he signed. And you have to reload that way. And, and there's that, that, that constant urgency with the Cowboys, and I get it. I understand it. I'd be the same way if I had just turned 78 and I'm desperate to get another Super Bowl championship and it's all I'm thinking about, and I want one that, that came from the team I built, not the team that Jimmy Johnson built. It just I think it takes on a life of its own, and it creates so much pressure and stress for everyone in the organization where there's this overwhelming let's get one while Jerry's still the owner of the team I think it almost curses them to not get one while Jerry's still the owner of the team, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I would think it certainly, you know, puts pressure on the situation. Uh, but yeah, they're in a they're in a tough spot, and and they're going to have to get into the off season, and they'll have to figure out how to rebuild their football team and where to go from there. But there's just, you know, there's so many issues. The defensive line is so not talented, and then it doesn't match up with Mike Nolan and the scheme he wants to run. And that's probably the biggest issue overall. You know, you, you brought it up earlier in the conversation. That, that's where I don't quite understand where that got off track in the offseason. Wait, we're going to hire a guy on defense that wants to play, you know, a 3-4 type stuff on the defensive line. He wants defensive tackles who just hold people up and read the play. And they got defensive tackles there that don't do that, and they never have. And there is really a disconnect there, and I don't understand the thought process in the offseason to think that that might work or not change over players at that position or just not hire Mike Nolan altogether and go, wait, this makes no sense for this defensive personnel to play with that coach. That's going to take a few years for that to mold and work the right way. And we're seeing, yeah, it's not going to work this year uh, unless they get new personnel or a new defensive coordinator out there. And the other reality, last point on this, it isn't something that we should be figuring out and talking about during the season. This is part of the proper setting of expectations going into a season. The Cowboys should have been talking about this. Well, you know, it's going to take some time for this defense to gel because we have a different system than we had, and it's going to take some time to get the right pieces. And if you admit that early going in, then you don't have this sense, hey, here come the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are talented, and they've got Dak, and they've got Zeke, and they've got this, and they've got that, and they have right. C.D. Lamb. He fell into their laps. And you get this unwarranted sense of excitement around a team, and then reality sets in. And I think the Joneses are so caught up in seizing on any and all excitement they can get, real or imagined. They just don't care. They can't help themselves. Yeah. We get some hype. We're going to ride it. We'll worry about tomorrow, later. For now, 
they're, they think we're going to be good. And you know what? Maybe we won't be good, but at least we had a few months where people thought we were going to be good. The Cardinals, we thought they were great, and then they lost a couple of games that they should have won, arguably. And now they've beaten a couple of teams that, grand scheme of things, who knows how good yeah. the Cardinals really are. But 38-10 is impressive. Here's Kyler Murray, who went back to Texas last night and got it done. Yeah, it was fun. It uh, brought back a lot of memories. Felt like, you know, felt like I've been playing there every Sunday, honestly. Um, it was comfortable. Uh, felt good. You know, it was uh, started off sloppy. I mean, for me personally, the whole game was sloppy, but, uh, you know, we, we did. We, we played a, played a, I feel like, uh, you know, besides me, um, you know, running backs ran well. Whole line played great. Our defense, I uh, can't say enough about them um, and, and what they did tonight. You know, receivers made plays when they needed to. But we, we still can be a lot better. And um starts with me. Yeah, 9 for 24 uh, passing. But but still, got it done. He had 74 rushing yards. He had a touchdown. He's just so elusive. He's he so is. exciting. Oof. Even when you only complete nine passes, it's fun to watch start to finish. And he's right about the defense. Look, I don't know that they would have been able to win that game if the defense wasn't as good as it was last night. And that's been the the big question you had about this team. Yeah. Where's their defense? Right. And they don't have Chandler Jones, so there was concern that maybe, you know, they're not going to be very good on defense. They're going to have to win shootouts, and Kyler Murray's going to have to play extremely well each and every week. But to win 38-10 to 10, when the stats are kind of, yeah, you know, you have three total touchdowns, but the yardage and the passing, it just, eh. To, to yeah. still have that kind of a convincing win tells me they're on to something, Chris. Well, it, 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 I mean, they got some playmakers, and there's some things to really like about their football team. I think, like, in totality, I still feel kind of the same way about them going into the game, though. I'm just not quite sure yet. You know, that we know that's not a good Cowboys football team who served up a little like, hey, you guys need to get going and play better. Here's the ball two times for you early on to get, get jump-started. We want to be nice guests here down in Texas, and – you know, make you feel at home. So here's the ball. Zeke Elliott, very nice man like that. So, but no, I mean, uh, it, it's still moments though you see, just like with the passing numbers, where it's underwhelming and things don't click. And it seems like defenses are all over them a little bit. You know, the numbers are going to look good. The yards are going to look good. But it's a one-play 80-yard touchdown. It's the big run at the end of the game by Kenyon Drake that makes his stats look good. I'm just not sure still if the offense has enough to offer to beat like the middle class and above NFL type defenses. That's what I want to see going forward. You know, Kyler Murray's three weeks in a row is a little off throwing the football. And, you know, I know I texted you last night. I I've noticed just this real quick because I know we got to go to a break soon, but I've noticed his motion has changed a little. I wonder if he's got a little arm tendonitis. I want somebody in Arizona to ask about arm tendonitis because he has some of the things he does. He's changed his motion a little bit to be longer, which makes me think maybe he's got a little thing there. And Mike, Mike I, I'm being total quarterback looking into this, but there was a few times walking off the field last night where he would unbuckle his chin strap only with his left arm and he would leave his right arm hanging there. I, I just wonder that. I don't know why I brought that up because I'm a quarterback I think geek. The, Sorry. I, I, think, I think that's a fair observation, though, when you see how someone leaves the field and what they're favoring, what Doing they're protecting. and Like that. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, well, yeah. your right arm's there. Usually you just do that or you go both of them and like that's it. And just between the throws that we've seen him miss the last few weeks and things like that, I just wonder.
We're going to find out a lot about the Cardinals in five days because they play the Seahawks. Ooh, so I don't know baby. if that counts as a bingo, but they play the Seahawks. On. They play the Seahawks <laughs> twice out of the next four games. They're going to take a break. When we return, Cam Newton doesn't point fingers. He points thumbs. We'll discuss what's up with the Patriots when PFT Live returns right after this. I have to be better. I want to make that perfectly clear. You know, I have to play better football for the New England Patriots, and I will. I, th- I think any competitor uh, in this position, you know, I, I, I heard a person say once, you know, I don't point fingers, you know, I point thumbs. And with that being said, I take full responsibility of where we are as offense and, and, and knowing here moving forward that I will, it starts with number one and I will be better. Not, not, and that doesn't mean I'm going to do more and, and, and press the issue. It's just, you know, doing the small better. And I think I can do a better job of it. Hey, you know, in all honesty and candor, Chris, one small thing he could have done better is not catch COVID-19. If we're going to be completely blunt, because that's what threw everything off the rails for the Patriots. That's that's very fair. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, again, whether it was within good intent or bad intent, you know, I think we've all heard like maybe it was the trainers and the, you know, the people he was training with there outside the facility. I don't know, but that is part of the, the game this year is staying healthy for your team and staying away from COVID. Uh, But, hey, it shows you again, when you're in a different culture, look at how the guy starts to be different. I mean, Cam Newton, he says the right thing every time in front of the microphone now. And that just tells you about where he is and the people are around him. And, you know, I like this aspect of him. I do. But of all the teams in the NFL, I thought the Patriots would be the least likely to be affected by this because I thought they'd be communicating the right message the guys would be heeding the right message and they would know if they aren't and they would adjust it accordingly to make sure they do everything they're supposed to do to keep themselves COVID-free. And that's really the problem here. It's not anything he's done on the field. It's the fact he wasn't available for three weeks. We'll be back with another hour of PFT Live. Right after this.